This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. I'm glad you joined us today for worship at Calvary Bible. Today we're going to wrap up our study in the book of Philippians after nine weeks of mining some of the best truths that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. With all that's happening in our world today, meeting together to open God's word is one of the ways we find nourishment for our soul, refuge for our weighty sorrows, and it just gives some clarity and strength to us internally. And then, God willing, it helps us know how to live in the world that needs the beautiful truth of the gospel. So I'm glad you're here. If you have your Bible, let's open together to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at the last section, Paul's personal remarks to the Philippian church. We know that he's said many things to them. Today he's going to thank them for their partnership with him. And he begins the chapter uh, in verse 10 saying what he preached earlier. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He begins verse 10 with those very words. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the capstone promise that Paul offers to the Philippian church. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But all of that comes in the context this morning that we're going to try to get our brains around and our hearts around. What is he particularly thanking the Philippian church for? What, what brings him joy in today's text about the Philippian church? It is that they had revived their concern for him. Verse 14 says, I'm thankful that you've rekindled your concern for me. Um, You indeed have always been concerned, but you didn't have the opportunity. What Paul is alluding to is a theme I think he referenced in the very opening verses of the book when he uh, said that they were partners with him in the gospel ministry and that what God had begun to do in them, he was going to continue to do through them and through his ministry. Paul, of course, was a missionary traveling around the world and now sitting in a Roman prison, but he was thinking back about his relationship to the Philippian church and the way in which they had shared with him. So I thank you that you did that. And then he describes his own situation in relation to their generous giving. Verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, and notice what he says, I have learned in whatever circumstance, whatever situation, to be content. I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to be hungry, to be well-fed. I've had lots of different circumstances in my life, but he says, I have learned. 
And what he learned was this ability to be content in any circumstance because of the presence of the Lord in his life, because of his absolute dependence on Jesus in every circumstance. Um, He goes on in the next verse to use another phrase, verse 12, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. Here it is again. I have learned, and then he uses the word, the secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Twice he said, I have learned. And then I've learned the secret. And what I know by those two phrases is that what we're going to talk about today is something that we we don't come by naturally. We almost have to learn it by experience. The growing into an ability to be content with what we have doesn't come naturally. And I like that Paul acknowledges the fact that these, this is a quality of life that has to be apprehended. When he says, I've learned the secret, the word there is the idea of discovering something by experience. In other words, you have to go through an experience to apprehend the secret, to learn what the secret is. And the secret in this case is I've learned how to be content. If I have a lot or if I have a little. And then verse 12, or verse 13 is actually sort of the key. How do you learn this? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's because of Christ in me that I am able to be in every circumstance and be content. Now, Paul has used this word secret only here in the Bible, but he has already, in the book of Philippians, talked about things that he learned by experience and now treasures. The idea of learning a secret is discovering it, being initiated into some new truth that you now count as being what's really real, true truth, truth that you can live by, truth that governs everything else. And those discoveries come as we grow in Christ. I think Paul has mentioned many things that he would say, yep, that's a secret that I learned. Let's go back through the book of Philippians and think about a couple of them. If you go back to chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul announces something that is true in his heart that previously wasn't true. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was not always true of Paul, but he learned the secret that the best life is to live for Christ so that when I die, I actually get more in death because Christ is my all in all than if I was living for anything else. Two verses later in verse 23, he says, for to depart from this life and to go and be with Jesus is very much better. I would say that's a secret that Paul learned. And most people don't know that secret. Most people live their whole life thinking, oh, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. But for Paul, he understood that dying was the entrance into the presence of the one he worshipped in all of his life. You you travel over to chapter 2 and Paul said, this is a secret I've learned, that when I have the mind of Christ and I think like Jesus, it is the pathway to the greatest joy. He told the Philippians, make my joy complete, have the same mind, think in one accord, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. 
I don't think Paul thought that way his whole life. He obviously didn't. But it was another one of those secrets that he learned. If you look down at the end of chapter 2, Paul said there, if I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering, if I'm going to be sacrificed in my life uh, as a sacrificial offering for your faith, I'm going to rejoice. Uh, That's a secret that he learned, that in giving his life, he would find deep, treasured joy. I mean, these secrets are all through the text. In chapter 3, Paul said, I would suffer the loss of everything if I could gain Christ and be found in him. And he realized that the greatest gain of his life is literally Jesus. And everything else could be lost in view of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Boy, in chapter 4 last week, we learned that in any anxious situation, Paul had learned the secret of rejoicing in the Lord, recognizing the Lord's presence in his life, praying at all times through prayer and supplication, letting his requests be made known to God. And he learned the secret that in praying through every anxious moment, the peace of God would guard his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace would be with him. These are just some of the gems that I look at in the book of Philippians and I say, that is a secret that Paul learned. You learn these secrets by traveling through life. We'd all like to gain them immediately, what's really real in life. But unfortunately, we have to travel through difficult experiences. So Paul, in this context, had gone through some circumstances in which he did not have much. But he had learned the secret of being content in the midst of that, saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know if you've ever had uh, the opportunity to go through parts of your life in which you had less. When Lucy and I left a church in New Jersey in 1989, we traveled across the country with everything we owned and landed in Portland, Oregon to go to seminary for three years. We would call those the lean years, Um, the years the locusts ate. They were the years in which we had very little And we survived in seminary, and we look back now on those years as being some of the happiest years of our life. We had very little. And in fact, the way we survived seminary was we entered into a a relationship with an organization that supported seminary students, and we had a group of people from our church in New Jersey who supported us financially as I studied Greek and Hebrew and theology and wrote papers and It was uh, three years of God's blessing. On the 30th of every month, we would open an envelope and see how we would live the next month. And it was a faith experience that we cultivated in our own hearts, a sense of God is in the midst of this. And we would say by our own testimony, those great years in seminary, were the years that we said, we we can do this through Christ who strengthens us. It's in that context that Paul announces that promise. I wonder if you know that. Do you have a faith in Jesus where you could say today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Knowing that, that is going to require being in a position, a circumstance, a situation that you might not choose for yourself. 
you have to learn that secret by going through those experiences. So hasn't the whole COVID experience been such a test for us? Can we learn to be content in this? Well, we're going to cultivate a, a discontent so that we long for something else and then try to move for it. Uh, but, but the point Paul's making to the Philippian church is you can trust this promise. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He goes on then in verse 14, and he begins to describe in detail the way in which the Philippian church were partners with him. And 14, 15, and 16 all have phrases in which Paul is thanking the church for the way in which they were his partners in the ministry of his proclaiming the gospel. This is what he says in verse 14. Yet it was kind for you to share in my troubles. Paul viewed their partnership with him while he was in prison and he was traveling, doing work, extending the gospel to new cities, that they were sharing in his troubles. And that's really the call of the people of God, to come alongside those who are in trouble or in need and to share those, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 15, he uses another phrase. You know yourselves, Philippians, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no other church entered into partnership with me in the giving and receiving except you. But you did. You entered into a partnership with me by giving and my receiving so that the work of the ministry could go on. He's really detailing a necessary part of the events of the gospel is there are people who say, I want to use my resources to make that happen. And Paul said, you were partners with me. One more phrase he uses in the next verse, um, verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help to me. Once and again, more than once, you sent help. And he just uses those three, three phrases to indicate how grateful he is for their partnership in this work of the ministry. But then he describes a little bit about that gift in the next verse, verse um, 17. He says, not that I seek the gift. It's an interesting phrase. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, there's a secret in this. There's a principle in this. Paul said, it's not like I need the gift because I know that God's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And God can provide for me in any way that he chooses. But I want you to be involved in the partnership of the work of the gospel so that something will happen in your life by your giving. And that is that little phrase, you will find fruit that increases to your credit. And he's using accounting language here. Something is going to be added to your account because you give to me financially. Now, what's he saying? Well, this is language that Jesus used. Jesus used this language often that what we do here on earth with our resources translates in eternal blessings with words like this from Matthew chapter 6 
and verse uh, 19. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves will never break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's Jesus using very similar language that what we do with our resources here on earth translates in some kind of accrual of eternal blessings for us in heaven. In Luke chapter 12, in verse 31, Jesus was teaching another parable and he said something very similar. And uh, we've taught about this, but Jesus said, go and sell your possessions and give to the needy and provide for yourselves money bags, places where you keep your money that do not grow old with treasure in heaven that doesn't fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Again, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Again, he's, he's saying that what you do with your wealth here on earth can translate into an accrual of eternal blessing and reward. It's all through the Bible. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. If you um, sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap the fruit of righteousness. And Paul's just uh, laying down a principle. If you will, it's a secret that many people don't know that what you do with your treasures here on earth can have eternal reward and blessing. And Paul said, I want you to have that. We, we often say at Calvary, we don't want generosity from you, we want it for you. Because when you're generous, you get to step into God's plan for his work in the world. And it's a beautiful gift. It's interesting that this is the way Paul's closing out the book. Thank you for being my partners in this ministry together. And then he closes with this statement as he's thanking them for their gifts. Verse 18, I have received full payment um, and more. I'm well supplied. I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And the way Paul translates their financial support of him is it's met the need. And it's resulted in God being worshipped in heaven. It, it, it is ascended into heaven as a fragrant aroma. And he uses sacrificial language that they gave sacrificially. And with that offering, God was pleased. And then he gives them our key verse. Verse 19, and, and as, or almost as a result, or in light of what you have done in your generosity, my God, whom I'm serving, as you have given to me, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What an awesome promise. A promise that's repeated throughout the scriptures that God's people don't beg for bread. Give us this day our daily bread. God will supply every need. It doesn't say every want, every longing, every covetous desire, but every need that you have according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And how deep are the riches of Christ? 
Paul wants to know the, the Philippian church to know that as they're generous, God's generous, and he will meet their needs. He's able to do that as they walk in faith in him. That's the promise that I want to give to you this morning. I know that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's a promise that you can bank on. I have friends, Bill and Susie, and they told a story to Lucy and me a couple weeks ago, and um, I asked them for permission to share it. Um, They were living on an Air Force base. Bill was in the Air Force, and they were living in base housing early in their life together. They would describe those years as their lean years. They had three or four children at the time, and they reported to us uh, that on one particular day, uh, a year or two after they had come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're learning the secrets of the Christian life together, they had an afternoon where they paid all their bills, and they distinctly remember, after paying all of their bills, living on the military base, they had $326.38 in their checkbook. And they just said, I don't know how we're going to make it, but we're going to trust God for this. Later in the day, a friend of theirs, also living on the base, said, hey, I need to come over. I, I need somebody to pray for me. It was one of Bill's friends and colleagues, and he came over and said, I'm very anxious right now. One of our children has just been diagnosed with a medical condition, and we have to provide medical treatment for him over the next several months, and we just don't know how we're going to pay for it. It's filled all of our hearts with anxiety, and I just need someone to pray for us. They prayed together, and they heard about all the treatments that their son was going to need, and when they were done praying Bill asked his friend, so tell me, how much are we talking about here? How, how much money are you going to need over the next couple of months to pay for these treatments? And he said, we've calculated our budget. I know exactly how much it is. With all of our bills paid, these treatments are going to cost $326.38. Bill and Susie looked at each other They didn't say a word. Susie stood up, got the checkbook, opened it up, wrote his name in it, and zeroed out her checkbook and gave it to him. They were learning the secret. They were learning the secret. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You have to be in the position of need to learn that God can provide. You have to be in the situation of hurt in order to learn contentment. And sometimes God lets us go to that place in order to prove himself again and again our shepherd, our good shepherd. See if you can answer the last part of this sentence. The Lord is my shepherd That's right. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. Why? Because my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul closes out the book of Philippians with certain promises that are 
secrets to be learned that become realities to be lived. And I hope that they will be anchors for you that you could say, by faith in Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I know that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And then you could say this benediction as it closes. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to lead us in prayer this morning, and I pray your heart will be filled with hope. I know you have concerns and you have burdens, and these may be your lean years. I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus this morning, to believe what he has said, to keep progressing in learning the principle of his provision and his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I pray this morning for the power of your Holy Spirit to be in our hearts as we listen to this word, to know the promise of your protection and provision, your peace and your presence. May the God of peace keep us especially for any of us today who are experiencing hunger, leanness, need. And Lord, I pray that you will raise up a generation of generous believers in our community who will see the needs of others and release the gifts that God has given to us to be partners with others in need, to share in the troubles of others. Our world is in trouble, and I ask you to awaken us as a church to every avenue of blessing in which we could serve the needs of others around us and in our community. Lord, awaken us that we would be partners with you of doing good in the world. I thank you for the things we've learned in this book. May you anchor them deeply in our soul so that we could say to you, Be the glory now and forevermore. And everybody said, amen.